1: And now, here's the latest team building
2: podcast.
1: I'm Jeff Cohn, founder of Elite Real Estate Systems. Uh, Super excited about today's topic. This is going to be, I think, a first ever Andy Cuny. Correct me if I'm wrong, but today's session, because we have five weeks, uh, five Thursdays in July, we're giving you a bonus session today. And the focus is going to be on questions and answers. So you guys can talk about anything you want to talk about. Um, And if there aren't enough questions, I have all sorts of topics I want to ideate on. Uh, We're just coming off of a great event at Boomtown Unite. Uh, We had about 175 people at my session the first day. I was in one of the main rooms and I was talking about the future of real estate. Uh, We discussed where we came from, where we are, and where we believe the industry is going. And there's a lot of craziness going on right now. And there's a lot of coaches and a lot of brokerages and a lot of team leaders not paying attention and not preparing themselves. And so I likened it it, at my session. um, It kind of came to me. People kept asking me about how do you lead generate? How do you recruit? They kept asking me about functionalities of a real estate agent. And I likened that to the functionality of a person that worked at Blockbuster that loaded the shelves on new release day with VHS tapes. So I watch your guys' facial expressions. Our whole world, 95%, I feel like, of the agent's worlds when they connect with me is about how do I generate more leads? How do I sell more houses? How do I overcome a multiple offer situation? How do I overcome the commission conversation? How do I overcome broker commission? Ladies and gentlemen of today, the commissions will be gone in the next two to five years. There won't be commission attached to the transaction. The win will not be in the commission attached to the transaction. The win will be in the concessions that are sold at the movie theater. You're going to make your money off popcorn and hot dogs and nachos. Maybe a little side of jalapenos. And people can disagree all they want, but it's already happening. Um, I had Chris Waters on my podcast yesterday, which for those that don't know, I host the team building podcast. I think we just hit our 200th episode. We started that like five years ago. And Chris and I ideated on this, and he shared with me that a very close friend of his has been taking leads from Open Door. And the way it used to work with Open Door was you would pay a 35% referral fee. Now Open Door is allowing sellers to list with them. Open the seller's door with an app. The potential buyer enters the property with the seller's permission, no realtor involved. And then when the buyer has a question or wants to make an offer, they're then connected with an agent and Open Door is taking an 82% referral fee. The agent keeps 18%. So he we said, well, how does that agent feel? The average sales price is 350000 He goes on five appointments a week virtually, not in person, 20 appointments total, and he's closing 50% of them. So that's 10 closed transactions at 18% with an average sales price of $350,000 and an average commission payout of 3%. I'll do the math for you. It's about $240,000 a year of income. How many agents do you guys know that would pay an 82% referral fee if they could keep $240,000 a year? That's the future, in my opinion. So this uh, I thought would be a fun little kickoff as we allowed a few more people to join the call today. Um, a quick reminder, if you do include your names, which most of you have done wonderfully, please also include your city state so that we can refer deals to ERS coaching clients. Also, if you have a camera on, please don't be driving. I'm fine if you're sitting in a car. Um, also, don't be walking on a treadmill. I think I offended one of our ERS clients when I asked him to never do that again. He canceled like a week later. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um Someone mentioned the event we have coming up in September. We do have a workshop, I believe it's next week. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Andy. We have a virtual workshop coming up. So for anyone that's enrolled in ERS, I don't know that there's gonna be a lot of new things that come at you at a workshop. The thing that's gonna be new is getting to experience what our office has to offer. Being able to see, touch, feel, being able to sense the energy, being able to watch the agents be held accountable in a real group setting, um, being able to check out our studio if you do come in person and then getting it all in one day or in two days. I think there's a lot of value to that. Every time I have somebody come through and I know a handful of you have come, who's who's come more than once? Just a show of hands. Who's come more than once? Who's come once? All right, who's not come yet? All right, we'd love to see all of you guys more than once, once. Um, a lot of times when people come through a second time, not a lot of times, every time people say, wow, I didn't catch that the first time or the third time. Because the problems we have today are different than the problems we had yesterday, and the problems we'll have tomorrow are different than the problems we have today. And so we're coming for new answers. Every time you pick up a book, listen to a podcast, and join a mastermind like today, you have new challenges, and you have a new vantage perspective, new vantage point. And so you're looking for new solutions. And we're saying the exact same thing over and over and over again. But for whatever reason, today's the day that you hear it. And it's not for whatever reasons, because today's the day you needed to hear it. And the other days when you don't hear it, it's not because it wasn't said, it was because it wasn't the right time. So that is kind of my little quick intro. Andy, do you have anything to say before we dive into some Q&A? Looks like he might be frozen. So while Andy watches Frozen, we will just go ahead and start with Q&A. So if you guys don't have anything, I can talk for another 55 minutes, no problem. So we're gonna end at 15 minutes after the hour. Um, There's nothing that can't be talked about. However, when you do pose a question, please be mindful that there is a group of 20 people watching live and another 50 that will watch the recording. And so if we can keep content somewhat specific to the average team or brokerage, that would be awesome. All right, Bill. Well, Bill, kick it off. Shanique was on deck. Who's in the hole? And if you don't know, these are baseball analogies. Hector's in the hole. Perfect. Great to have you on the call today, Hector. Bill, go ahead. So mine
3: has to do, as we um, move along the line of building up and getting more agents, um, your onboarding process for new agents at this point. I know you guys have changed and Mm got the team and then you're the broker, but as far as the team goes, can you talk a little bit about your process for your onboarding agents as they come on to the team?
1: So you'll see in the back end of ERS, we had our like top 12 topics that we would use when we onboarded someone. We called that launch training. And so of course, any organization that brings someone new on should have a process in bringing them on. We haven't built that out for every role except for realtors. We did build that out for the independent model, the dependent model, and the interdependent model and so it's really just a course of classes 101 entry level everything boomtown overview contract overview um, virtual overview anything that all of our products that we have our digital marketing products and so you can plug people into what we have and it is somewhat evergreen it goes over most of the generic topics that an agent would need when they joined a group and that's under the launch. I think it's under special events. But my suggestion would be that you build something specific and custom to exactly what your your expectations are because you can't hold someone accountable to something unless you've shared with them what that something needs to be. And so your onboarding, I think, is a great opportunity to do that. Um, It shouldn't usually take someone more than a couple of weeks to onboard. And one of the things we found is if you can do it in groups, it's better. And so we'll usually start the onboarding classes once a month. So whoever joins the brokerage each month or the team each month would then get to start on the onboarding at the same time, and then it gives them that little network or little group that they can go to when they have questions. Um, that's our process. I would love to hear if anyone else has a really strong onboarding process. If you want to share with the group, someone else can answer on that one.
3: Oh, one more thing on that, Jeff. So that means so in the launch file under the ERs Google Drive, that's where I'll find I'll find that breakdown. I right, appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, actually I think it lives in the video recordings. So they're they're all on the site when you go in and you have your Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday special events and then I think one of them is launch. Does anyone know? Nikki is that right? Is that in is it under special events? Andy would know. No, it's just on the site. It's,
4: it there's a a thing that says agent launch. But Perfect. you have to have I think team leader access to be able to access it. Okay. And then you can go in and register your agents individually. I think Kevin has a special code for that.
1: Okay, perfect. So email Cav Bill.
3: Two videos under the launch.
4: So if you're going to do it monthly um, and you're going to control it in brokerage, then you wouldn't need to worry about all those logins. But if you want to give your agents access to watch them on their own time, then that's when you need to get it. Yeah.
1: Anyone else have a process that they'd want to speak to?
4: We're in the process, it's not perfect. Because, you know, I got the swift kick in the butt in May. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have a Trello board, that a template that we've been building. And we're, we're in the process of, we have two licensed, new licensed agents on the, on the team. So we're working through as we're learning. It's always going to be an evolving process, right? Um, we just keep making tweaks to the template. And then when we have a new agent, we'll create a board specifically for that agent. And so that agent can interact and mark when things are complete. And we have tags, assignments for what's the market center have to do, what's the team lead have to do, what's um, success manager need to do, and what's the agent need to do.
3: It's definitely a hybrid model between the ERS uh, launch and then the KW, uh, depending on what whatever your, your market center is using, whether it be a uh, locker room or uh, the, the, the command training that, that your specific market center will have. Uh, but we, we do a hybridization of those to make sure uh, that we're following the protocols that are in place within our market center, but also that we're bringing in um, the trainings from outside that we feel are valuable to
1: our new agents. Onboarding processes, what are you guys doing to help onboard? Um, what I see oftentimes, a traditional broker is set up for the interdependent agent that already knows everything. And so the broker really hasn't built something to teach them. When we say launch training, that's not designed for an agent that's never sold. That's for an agent that's never been associated with Elite, with KW Elite. So there's a lot of components of what my office provides that an agent's never been taught before. For example, we use Real Satisfied for all of our testimonials, and then the agents can share them to their social media. We'll quickly teach them how to do that. We ask for Google uh, review. So we'll quickly teach someone how to go out and get their Google reviews up. We'll talk about how uh, social media expectations, how the branding expectations, business card signs, um, the listing presentation, buyer presentation, best practices all things pertaining to our organization so if your organization doesn't have a lot of expectations you don't have a process then the onboarding process is going to be a lot simpler but things start to become somewhat convoluted and get lost in translation the larger you grow and the more that you're um, organization has to offer. And that's where, to Bill's point, you have to have a systematized process. And I love that, Nikki, you you and Justin talked a little bit about um, some of the software technology that you're taking advantage of to help you along that process. But there definitely, definitely needs to be a streamlined process. And I think it needs to happen sooner than later so that someone doesn't come in and six months later, they say, I didn't know there was a listing presentation. You know, I didn't know how to order business cards and we're getting that a lot. And we're a, we're a new launch going from 30 to 150 agents in less than a year and a half. Um, so there are a lot of things that have been lost, you know, along the way. And if you don't hold someone accountable to going to those onboarding trainings, they're not going to go. So there has to be a checks and balances in place when those new agents choose to hang their licenses with you. And it needs to be an expectation or requirement. So I would almost say, hey, your first 90 days, it's a probationary period for you to make sure you like us. And we're going to make sure we like you. Part of that process is to finish these classes, to get these things ordered, to do these XYZ activities. And at the end of the 90 days, if you haven't accomplished those things, you're probably not the right fit for our organization. So have some type of a carrot to hold them accountable and force them into learning all of those things. And if someone doesn't take that initiative, they're probably not a good fit for your organization.
4: The other thing we did was uh, we built a Google site, specifically a team portal for like the listing agreements. We even have so much as this is the social media strategy. If you post on Instagram, you post here, you post here and here. Um, That way there's no excuse of, I didn't know that existed. I didn't know what that did. There's descriptions of how each system comes together. Um, It helps with a lot of that clarity.
1: Perfect. Love it. Thank you, Nikki and Justin for sharing on that. All right, Shaniqua, what's up?
0: Hey, good morning, Jeff.
1: Good morning, how are you?
0: I, I'm wonderful. I have two questions. Um, and just to piggyback and ask Nikki a question, a follow-up question to what she said, was Trello, I'm just getting familiar with it. Do you, did you find a template already built out for real estate or did you guys have to create the boards? And I heard you say that you create a board for each new agent rather than just a system. Wow. Yes,
4: yeah. So um, if you create a template, then it's just a button and it, it copies it specifically for that agent. And then you can add them to the board and they can interact. Um, What I did truthfully is I took the Google drive from ERS (laughs) and I deleted, or I deleted, I printed everything and put it in binders and I just went through document by document. So I fully could wrap my head around how ERS works and how that could be applied to our business. Um, and that was the starting point, the foundation of how we built those Trello boards. Interesting. You're not going to find another team somewhere else that has that foundation because they're not part of ERS. And that's mm-hmm. what makes ERS so great. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's
1: Nikki, awesome. do you have a, do you have a template you could share for anyone mm-hmm. that is using Trello boards?
4: Yeah. Where is would a you? Simple t- process. Um, yeah, I can put something together. Is it okay if I send it tomorrow? We can connect
1: though? after. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, so just send my... it to send it to Andy, and then he can figure out how to get that distributed. Okay. All right, Shanika, go ahead.
0: So my other uh, question was in reference to uh, us not becoming antiquated and moving before things get moved too quickly away from us. Uh, so mm-hmm. I want to sell popcorn and sodas and everything else in concession. <laughs> so would you liken that to us having partnerships with mortgage companies? And I know, and I'm I'm on this track quite honestly, because when I came out to you in March, I know you, you speak about it a lot on the podcast and I don't think I have really digged my heels into it. Um, I looked at going to get a mortgage license and I'm like, I'm all over the place doing things. So I don't know if I need to be the one to go create it. Uh, my idea was to have an in-house title company, mortgage company, insurance company, uh, Of course, I want to control everything. So I'm like, should I go get an insurance license, a broker's license, and all this other stuff? So what's your recommendation, if that's even what you're talking about, to keep those relevant?
1: Well, this is a perfect month for this topic. I don't know if Logan covered this on his call last week because I didn't get to watch it. But um, this this month is leveraged roles. And so if you owned a movie theater, would you want to actually sell popcorn?
0: No, probably not. Probably. Would
1: you want to clean the floors after the movie was over? No.
0: License it. Would you want
1: to go stand up and like run the movie and make sure the audio is working? Would you even want to go to the movie theater, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Is anyone going to go to the movie theater? Check it out. See how everything's going. You really don't have to do any of those things. So you all, we all get to choose every day. What job do we want to have? That's our active role that pays us. And then what businesses we want to own. My belief is a true business should be able to grow without you being necessary. So you should quickly fire yourself as quick as possible, take a step backwards to take a step forwards. And that has kind of been a practice that I have tracked for about the last 10 years, ever since I launched my real estate team. So using the uh, concession analogy, you know, I know Frank asked about concessions, Andy, and a couple of people chimed in on that. Um, take the one that you believe you where you can create the most value your start doesn't have to be the same as what my start was. My start was um, strategic partnerships with mortgage, insurance, and title. And then it was ownership and title and insurance. And then it was ownership and mortgage. Um, along the way, you can throw in there investing and a coaching company and uh, property management. And you know there's probably a handful of other things I haven't mentioned. So I don't care what it is. It doesn't even have to be in the real estate space. My point is what would the world look like if you didn't receive a commission check on a real estate sale? How would you stay viable? How would you make money? That's the challenge. And that's the exact question that every real estate brokerage in America asks. If their agents are selling units, but keeping all the commission, how can the brokerage still make money? And look at what everybody's doing, all the smartest people. You look at Redfin look at Zillow. Um, all of the big tech real estate entities are making their money off of the ancillary businesses. So why would we not choose to do the same? And so there's gonna be two camps. And Gary talked about this two years ago in an interview um, at Inman with Brad Inman. Um, Gary prophesied 24 months ago that in the future, this close future, that there'd be two types of agents. One would be the fiduciary agent who's at the center of the transaction empowered by technology. And that's the Keller Williams war cry. The second type of agent is an agent where the fiduciary, legally they're the fiduciary, but the center of the transaction is the technology platform that the consumer goes to, and the agent is just a secondary component of that transaction. It'd be like if you go to Legal Zoom, you don't care about your relationship to an attorney, but you're getting one, but they're secondary. I believe that out of the 2 million agents there are today, 10% will be standing in three to five years, So 200,000 agents, half of them, 5% of the current agent count will be just like us on this call. You'll still make your 5%, your 6%. You'll still be able to convince people that know you like you, trust you to pay you the five or the six, and you're going to be able to show them why they should. I think one of the reasons they should will be because you're going to become an agent advisor where you're going to be able to help them with the, the concession stands. The other five percent of agents are going to work for big tech companies and, and pay them an eighty percent referral fee, or just get paid a salary like fifty thousand a year and a hundred bucks a transaction to survive. You're going to have to be in one of those two camps. Me personally, I want to be in a camp that I can control. If you work for big tech, unless you own the company, so I don't know who we are what's to start the next Redfin or Zillow, unless you own the company, you're going to be in there. They're going to be in control of you. Um, whereas right now we're in a position to be able to control our own destinies as long as we pivot and we have more things to provide a value. The concessions go on forever. Um, if you literally look at a movie theater, it used to just be popcorn, soda and some candy. Now, most of the theaters across the country, they offer, obviously offer dinner. There's a bistro, there's a bar. They're looking for all these d- new ways to monetize, to bring people back in and discover new profit centers for the movie theaters. So I think about like, if you think you could get a lot of people to use a roofing company, why not start your own roofing company? Now, your Shaniqua not gonna go out and put in the, the, the roofs. You're gonna find somebody who you're going to partner with and they're gonna run the roofing company and they're gonna be in charge. Um, But it doesn't have to be roofing, it can be anything. And so our greatest value, someone actually posted this to Instagram last week after I spoke, our greatest value that we can monetize is our database. Because our database is an extension of the relationships that we've created with people by offering them value. Up to this point, people see the value of a realtor as someone that's gonna help them buy or sell real estate. People still don't see a realtor as the bridge to mortgage title insurance, a fencing company, a roofing company, and a hundred other industries that are out there. But once they see us as that bridge or once we've chosen to become that bridge, now all we need to do is have a database and a bridge to all of those different entities. And we can own them. We can have strategic partnerships with them where we're just getting a certain dollar amount a month or we can uh, uh, charge them a fee to be part of our vendor list. And that's kind of the order. It goes vendor, strategic partnership, ownership. And the ownership conversation only comes when you can bring enough leads for it to make sense for said entity to choose to give you or sell you a percentage of their already existing business, which is going to be the path of least resistance when you choose to launch an ancillary business versus doing a startup from scratch. There was a lot there. I'm glad we record these. You guys can go re-listen to that one. There was a lot there. Any follow-ups to that, Shaniqua, or are we good?
0: Nope, that was great. Thank you.
1: Well, Hector, I know I put you in the hole, but you really weren't ready. You want to ask anything? This is Hector's first time. I'm really glad he's here. He's opening up our Grand Island, Nebraska location. He didn't take very good instructions when I said to put your city state name. So I'm just going to call him out right now. But yes. when, when all of you have your referrals in Grand Island, Nebraska, Hector is the person to send them to. Send them to me. I'll <laughs> take him. That's right. Hey, thank you,
2: Jeff, for having me. It's great to be here. A lot of good information. I like your system. I like the way you explain things.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't that. have a lot of
2: questions, but I believe me, I will have in the future a lot of questions. You're going to say, why did I get uh, Hector to ask questions? You're going to be <laughs> like, tired of me,
1: but... Everyone's going to love it, Hector. Good to have you here, brother.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. Who's next? Let's just tell everyone, because um, we have a small enough group. Everyone has to ask one question. And you can ask anything you guys want. And you can talk about stocking shelves at Blockbuster with VHS tapes if you want. Who in the group ever rented a video game system? I'm gonna see how old you guys are. Oh, Jared, Derek. Oh, a lot of you guys. I remember as a kid, like middle school, fat little shaved head Jeff Cohn, haven't changed much. My Me and my friends would go rent an N64 because we couldn't afford an N64 at the time. We'd rent one for like, ten dollars and you get your video games just crazy now to watch my kid have virtual reality He literally has 60 vr in the room i'm in right now um and then every video game system that exists but pretty crazy times all right any anyone have the next question question. all right we're gonna go with ryan who's on deck okay jared and then who's in the hole all right alan perfect thanks you guys so Jeff, we're we're grow, growing from about 150 agents to about 200, and we're 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 bringing on an operations manager. So I wanted to understand better what Kevin does for 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 you and for ERS. Like, what is his day to day? What are his responsibilities? Like, I know he does a lot, but we don't see a lot of them. So yeah, what's that look like? Yeah, so Kevin's now a CEO of Elite Real Estate System. So all this time is now focused 100 percent on ERS. Um, we can go in and ask him for stuff if we need him, but. As we ran Omos Elite Real Estate Group, he was there the entire time as the COO. Um, he did all the back office. He was our controller. And so that encompassed pretty much anything and everything. Um, back office. Andy was in charge of success management, holding agents accountable, motivating, motivating agents and being kind of the person that ran team meetings. Whereas Kevin was. He was overseeing accounting. He was overseeing all of the analytics. He was taking care of our website placement, Google placement, Google ad campaigns, any third-party companies we'd work with like Boomtown or Z Buyer. We were on, um, oh my gosh, real, I can't even remember the name, Real Estate Webmasters. We had a site that we managed for a while that was Estate.com. So pretty much anything and anything like that. And it was interesting. The relationship started by me hiring Kevin to just be my full-time videographer photographer. And within 30 days, I recognized Kevin had way more potential and way more of a desire to step up to a, a bigger role. And I was just a, a, a one-man sh- store, you know, sh- shop with my mom and dad selling maybe 75 to 100 houses a year. And I was like, Kevin, you need to come on. I need your help with all these little things that I used to pay attention to. And it would take me 10, 15 hours a week. And it was something I hated. I mean, I'm a 99 99 i So I was definitely in my um, unnatural state in doing those back office type of responsibilities. Now today, flash forward, now we have 150 agents, our controller, I think in KW world, um, it's called an MCA market center administrator. And then she has assistants. So of course, there's a different tasks. And you can change those tasks depending upon what each person's strengths and weaknesses are. But an MCA now is going to make sure everyone that gets hired on is going to have all the correct documents signed. And there's going to be a whole process for bringing people on. And then the exact same reverse process for offboarding. And so when you think controller, I'm thinking everything back office, Ryan. For a traditional team, you've got a team leader who's a rainmaker. They hire an admin, but that's really contracted closed services. There's really no one focused on the back office. And so that would be your CEO role running everything. Anything that's digital, anything that could be done, I would say, inside of an office. And then your forward-facing would be more your success manager. That could be the team leader or should be for a while. I was the TL for quite some time. And then that person can be leveraged out and become your success manager. And those are the main two leveraged roles we will talk about this month as COO and success manager. And then the next leveraged roles that you can go from there are going to be roles that the, the success manager and the um, back office operator They're going to hire help. So I didn't want to have to be in charge of a third person and a fourth person and a fifth person within just the real estate company. And so I taught those individuals how to hire the next person. So for example, um, we have our market center administrator, and now she has four admin that are under her. They report to the MCA. They're not going to report to Andy or Paul Richardson, who's our actual office TL or me. Uh, So anytime you build that out, you guys, as people start to think, oh, I don't know how you manage 50 people or a thousand people. It's easy. You only really need to manage uh, five people is kind of the max. So then if you have to teach those five to manage, yeah, you say seven, Justin and Gary Keller talked about this a lot. If you read the one thing and I went to his conference in Austin, he said, you really can only do a good job with about five, um, seven, if you've got a lot of extra time, 10 starts to become insane. And so I've kind of prided myself on saying I don't have a title right now. I'm chief visionary officer for every business entity that I own. I'm always available for any t- anytime anyone needs me. I try to spend a majority of my time in the lane that I enjoy the most. So that means anything that's making me think a lot is going to be where I spend my time. I love podcasts. I love the coaching calls like this. I love speaking. I love traveling. I love reading and listening to podcasts. So That's where I spend a majority of time. And then the alignment of everything I own, there's a monthly scheduled one hour alignment meeting where we look at P&Ls, we deal with all the big problems that we might be facing. We talk about growth and the next steps that are necessary within each of those business entities. I wouldn't even have to attend those meetings if I don't want to, but that's where I see I can create and bring the most value. All right, Jared, you're next.
2: Hey, um, when we talk about ancillary businesses or... um market service agreements. I am starting early conversations with insurance and I guess I'm just looking for advice in terms of what are the right questions to ask with that and what would a proper arrangement look like if you were to partner up with in okay. an insurance company.
1: Okay. So since 2015, I've owned property um, property and casualty insurance. Most of the time, anyone that can do PNC can also do whole, uh, term life, whole life, disability, and healthcare. But you're usually only really good at PNC or the other. Most don't try to do both. Um, when I first entered into a relationship in 2015, I asked for 15% ownership of whatever book I built. So this already existing company has a book of business. And for those that are kind of new to this t- conversation about property and casualty insurance, the way it works is just similar to us. We make 3% when we sell a house or 2.5, whatever it is in your city, they make 12% when they sign a new insurance policy. The insurance policy is good for 12 months. Um, the premium is the amount you pay to be insured. So typical two autos and a, um, a house is around $4,000. So take 12% and that is gonna be the net amount that they make not only year one, but every year that that policy renews. So when I entered into a relationship with a PNC company in 15, me and one of my business partners that own title asked a gentleman to help start a book for us and we only asked for 15% each which was 30% total of a second book because no insurance agent's gonna wanna give away what they've already built because that's like, that's everything to them. That's their investment. And so I, that was the wrong way to do it. Um, the other wrong way was before that, I had actually created a strategic partnership with another insurance agent who paid me $1,000 a month. And I didn't understand the business. What I come, have come to realize is that most insurance policies make insurance agents three to $400 a policy per month. So if I gave that insurance agent two and a half deals a month, they were making a thousand dollars net on those two and a half deals. And I was giving them 30. I gave them every transaction. We were doing 500 deals a year. And so every time we went under contract, 250 buy sides, I would just send them the contract and they'd reach out to our client. Our client would give us permission to share their information with the insurance company. Flash forward to today, um, Renee Mueller, who's on the call with us who runs the Columbus Arm and owns KW Elite with me, we launched Exorbit Insurance in 2020. And it was our desire obviously to have more ownership than what we had had in the past. We partnered with an already existing independent insurance agency called Cyrus Jaffrey Insurance. He happened to be the number one independent in Nebraska. Um, he has licenses for doing everything and anything, securities, he can do financial planning, uh, but we don't do any of those things. His one thing is property and casualty. Well, we wanted to go with a company that could scale nationally. And so when you start thinking, Jared, of, okay, you're in Dubuque, Iowa, well, how do you know you're not going to have a team in Miami, Florida, or a team in Long Beach, California? We don't really know how big something can get. So always make sure you, when you partner with someone, in my opinion, partner with someone that has the ability, at least has the mindset of expanding when your business starts to expand. So we had that growth mindset out of the gate. So much so that I have even started thinking about not having real estate involved in any of what I do, period. So like I talked earlier, kind of putting that idea out that you, you, the real estate is the is the lost leader. It's the Trojan horse, and the concessions are everything else. But when you come to that realization, all you really need to do is bring concessions to someone else's movie theater. So if you find that the real estate is the is the Trojan horse, it's the lost leader, What if you didn't even have to own the building where you sold the concessions? What if you could just rent the space? So that's what I'm doing. I want to be in 100 cities, uh, the top two cities of every state. And we want to bring mortgage and insurance. We want to bring investing and digital marketing services. And we will build little KW Elite real estate teams. But those teams, and we tell our partners, are, are the Trojan horse to be able to sell everyone in those offices other services. For example, we just launched Long Beach, California, a Keller Williams office there, ran by Rob Aigner. They have 350 real estate agents. We partnered with Rob to put a team inside of his office that we would generate referral leads to. And now we're partnering with him in insurance. And we have a strategic partnership in mortgage. And we'll we'll bring digital marketing services through Verly to the office, as well as investing in the Long Beach area eventually. That's kind of like where the disposable income will end up going. Long answer to a short question. Justin, we'll get to you in a second. I think we have someone else on deck. So if anyone right now is thinking they wanna get into insurance, the best people to partner with are the people you already have a relationship with because you've already proven to them that you're gonna be able to bring deals. It's not just talk. And so that conversation is pretty simple. Jared, I'll role play it with you. Let's do a phone call. Ready? Jared, what's up, man? Jeff Cohn, how are things going? Good, Jeff. How about yourself? Dude, things are going so well. I just joined this coaching organization a couple months ago, led by Jeff Cohn, uh, called Elite Real Estate Systems. And we're learning all sorts of things about growing and scaling. And I actually have a really exciting uh, proposition for you. And we need to do it in person, but I just kind of want to give you the groundwork before we meet. Very good. What, what, What do you have in mind? Yeah, I just know, I know up to this point, you know, you've been able to give me those $15 gift cards every time I've sent you a new deal. And I looked at my database over the last 12 months and I've sent you 127 insurance policies based on what Jeff shared with me. that Those policies total around a year of residual income that I've been able to generate to you, which makes me really happy that I've been able to help you build your business. But I don't feel like the coffee is a fair way for you to compensate me. And I want to play a more major role with you and your insurance company. And I have an idea that maybe we could launch a second arm to your company where I'm a 50% owner or 49% and you're 51%. So you're majority, but I could put all of my insurance deals into this arm and I can keep the 49%. Would you ever be open to something like that?
2: Yeah, I like that.
1: So if you're not open, that's no big deal. I've talked to five other independent insurance agents that have told me that they would be interested. So if you don't want a partner, that's totally fine. No hard feelings. I just don't think the $15 of coffee is fair. And let's all be honest. I don't even get the $15 of coffee. When I was selling real estate, people just said, I'll send you referrals. How many referrals did you get? Try to add Mm -hmm. those up. So the more deals you can bring to an insurance agent, a title company, a mortgage company, the more valuable you become. But the magic that I have started to discover isn't in your ability to bring deals from the deals you do. It's in your ability to, to create strategic relationships between the ancillary businesses and other teams and other brokerages. Mm-hmm. So when I launched title in 2015, we needed to have an aggregate total of 500 buy sides a year for the, uh, for the economies of scale to work on the numbers. And, I assumed five years later that 85, 90% of the title business would be coming from me and my business partner that were doing the 500 deals. Today, about 30% will do about 1,500 sides this year in my title company, and about 30% will come from me and my business partner. 70% are coming from outside relationships that we've been able to build, strategic relationships with investors and other realtors and other brokerages. So it's a real viable business that can exist and be successful without even the existence of my real estate team. And Shaniqua, back to what we talked about earlier, that, that's what we all want. How great would that be to go on a one-year sabbatical to TaiPan, and know that all of our businesses are going to keep running and all these ancillaries are going to keep running and the movies are going to keep playing and the popcorn is going to keep getting sold without us having to answer our phones nights and weekends and go on listing presentations and stock shelves with VHS dates. Yeah, Jeremy, yeah, follow that? Yeah,
2: and can you repeat the, uh, did you say it was
1: 12% of the premium on a new policy as well? Yeah it's 12 average. to 15 percent year one year two is 12 the amount goes down a little bit but the more policies they have with one particular provider they get bonuses okay. it's just like in any industry if you're buying lumber from menards and you bought x amount million dollars of lumber they'll give you huge but be- benefits back on the back end no cool. one ever talks about those so That's another reason I'm actually open to sharing with all of the other teams and brokerages in my city. We talk a lot about the people I've partnered with, even if my competitor, which my number one competitor, who is a mile from my office, just partnered with Cyrus Jaffrey Insurance. Cyrus and I are business partners as well. But it was a win-win because the more deals our competitor does and we do, we'll both bonus more. So there's like multipliers, right? right? So now instead of us each only making 240 grand because we're both doing so much business with X carrier, we're gonna each get an extra $50,000 multiplier. So the numbers are nuts, you guys. Um, Just take the number like $500 a deal and start playing with that. Say 100 times 500. And now the next year you do another 100 deals and then all those other first 100 deals renew. And it's like, we get like a 98% renewal rate. At year 10, you're gonna be making I mean, depending on how many deals you're doing, you can make a million dollars. But the crazy thing is the valuation. So in a real estate team, if you know how valuations play out, I've listened to a few podcasts with Steve Murray speaks to this. A real estate team is only a one X. You're really not worth much. Um, a non-team individual agent has no value. And a real estate brokerage is usually like a two to three X. Unless mm-hmm. a lot of people are buying. If you've got like a big Keller Williams Market Center or Berkshire, it might get to a four to five X. But most of the time, the multipliers are low. Um, in insurance, you can expect about a 3X. So if your book of business is bringing a million dollars a year, that's $3 million. And the cool thing is there's tons of buyers. So if you had an independent book of business right now that generated a million dollars, there's 10 different entities that would buy it from you, no questions asked. It's all based on what's your attrition rate and how much is it generating a year in profit. So based on exit strategies that we should all be thinking about 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I think including property casualty insurance is the easiest one because no buyer has a company they want to use, just like title. They don't have an opinion. They'll use whoever you say to use. And the beauty is the insurance company you own can earn it. They'll just say, hey, we're going to give you a second option. That's what our office says. We have insurance mortgage title in our hallway. So does Renee. So do all of our expansion locations. And we say to our agents, because we can't force it, our agent advisors, we teach them to say, use who you feel comfortable with, but always get a second opinion from our businesses to hold the people you feel comfortable with accountable to making sure you're getting the very best deal. And we win nine times out of 10, because if you partner with an independent, which it has to be independent. They typically will have 20 to 30 insurance products that they can offer. Whereas if you go to State right. Farm or Liberty Mutual or any of the others, they have one product, their product. So do you think they're going to tell you, oh, don't go to State Farm, now go to Liberty Mutual. We can't offer you a good deal. They're not going to tell you that. They're going to take your money. Hey, so, do you run into any issues with, uh, you know, you said that you and the independent started a,
2: you know, like like your own in- insurance company, but also the value is having other agents use that, um, use that company. Do you ever have any concerns about the original company getting most of the premiums that are are anything but your business that you're referring? Does that make sense?
1: No, 100%. Yeah, it's just like saying, generating an internet lead and making sure I'm getting the referral fee on the I generate versus, so they have another existing business. I don't own any of it. It does about a hundred, make sure you get these numbers right. $100,000 a month in premium is their business. Our business was started off and of course we were low in the beginning. Now we're up to, I think Renee, we were at 100,000. So we're getting close to where there. I think we're at about $80,000 a month in premium. So um, they, they do about as much business on their own as we do with, uh, partnered with them. And they just code it. They code it KW Elite or Nebraska Real Estate or Cyrus mm-hmm. Jeffrey Insurance. Um, but like I said, all of those go under the same umbrella. And so the bonuses will get paid out as a percentage based on where the deals came from. Yeah. So if KWE brings 22% of the policies and the bonus is a million dollars, we'll get $220,000. Uh, the question I thought you were going to ask that most of you should be asking is once you've launched this and you have an agent doing 100 transactions a year bringing all these deals to your ancillaries and they say, hey, I want to own these ancillaries too, what's your solution for that? And right. so, the way we've solved that is the minimum transactions as 100 buy sides a year. 99% of people in your world won't do that many deals. Raise your hand if you guys are doing over 100 deals a year. Who on the call is doing 100 buy sides? 100 buy sides. Is anyone in the group other than Renee? No one even does that many. R- Hector, you're at over 100 buy sides. So, the next question uh, then I'll is. close, uh, Jeff. Last year I did 96. Okay, perfect. Good job, Hector. So, The next part is when you guys start to grow, you're going to have agents that do a hundred buy sides. So not many, but the ones that do, I want to be able to give them opportunities. True leaders serve their followers by giving them the ability to be just like them. Not only giving, creating opportunity. How many of your brokers, this is a fun one, have ever offered you ownership in title? Who, Who has a brokerage they've worked for that offered them ownership in insurance? Who here got tapped for ownership in the PNC business? Of them? Who here got invited to be part of a multifamily acquisition or syndication that your owners of your company did? Who here got invited to be part of an Airbnb or a storage facility or a single family or a boat share? Anyone getting tapped by the owners that they work for? So this is a scarcity mindset. It's the generation that was the generation before mine who doesn't create opportunity and treats everyone like a, like a hamster on the wheel. And so it was my desire to be in a position in my life where I was wealthy enough and successful enough and smart enough that I could help those around me that were just like me, which is a few amount of people. All of us on this call are freaks. Who jumps on a call on a Thursday at 1115 Central? We're crazy, right? We want to be the best version of ourselves. So we're jumping on video calls and listening to Jeff Cohen rant about the future of real estate, but we're doing it because we have a belief that it's going to help us become better versions of ourselves, pivot and be prepared for the next shift, which is inevitably coming because of technology. So long answer to a short question, but it's a really important one. And there's a lot of wealth that can be created in you guys, each individually finding a solution to how to create the insurance arm. It's huge. It's super valuable. Um, what I will say is that if you, anyone listening, can get a group of people up to 500 buy sides a year, my entity will partner with you and you'll be an expansion insurance business connected to exorbitant Insurance. We can do all of our indie companies are nationwide. We can go to any state. So I'm going to say that again because there's a lot there. If you can put together a group of 500 buy sides, it's based on the last 12 months, our insurance company that Renee and I own. We'll partner with you. So Hector, who's on the call, I hope it's okay, Hector, for me to share this. We've presented that opportunity for him in Grand Island. How powerful is that? Hector's the number one agent in Grand Island. Um, We were able to present this opportunity to him to say, hey, we have a capping model for one. Number two, we're gonna partner with you in insurance. Number three, we're gonna partner with you in title. Number four, we're gonna have a strategic partnership in mortgage. We're gonna help generate leads into your team. We're gonna give you a CRM. Are you kidding me? No one's ever tapped me with an opportunity like that. and I was the number one agent in the world at Berkshire. It starts to piss me off. That's why we started the coaching company. That's why I started the podcast. I wanted to give it away to everyone. I want to crush the traditional broker. And that's why I said it, I said it on stage, get ready traditional broker. My desire is that my agents don't pay anything to be at my office. So people talk about caps and splits, no split. Wait a second. How much is it to be at Keller Williams in Omaha? Nothing. How do you make money? I sell concessions, come to my movie for free. I'm going to show a movie. But if you want popcorn, you have to buy my popcorn. If you want to go to the bathroom, you have to use my bathroom. If you want any of the services, you have to use ours. And of course, we can't require that. But that's going to be the overriding feeling is that they need to support the ancillaries and we're not going to charge them anything to be in the office. That's changing the game. Guess who already did this 10 years ago? When you signed up for Gmail, how much did they charge you? When you signed up for Facebook, how much did they charge you? When you use Google Forms, Google Docs, Google Presentations, how much does Google charge you? How much does Pinterest charge you? How much does Reddit? How much does Fox News or CNN, all those apps you download, all the video games you get for free. Fortnite was free. I don't know if it still is. And then they sell outfits that my son buys for $10 to put on his character. It's an NFT. And that's the next thing to talk about that I get freaking jacked about. Digital assets that cost us nothing. Things are getting crazy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, who was on deck? And then we'll jump over Justin to your comment. Alan, go ahead. I was so really along the same lines and I don't want to beat it to death, but getting into
2: some of these other businesses. So you went down the line of insurance and doing a second arm with an agent. What about on the title side? I'm not the 500 sides. Is there another way to get
1: in with title or how would you
2: recommend approaching that?
1: We have chosen right now, strategically, we don't want to focus on expanding title. Um, While title can be very profitable. It's also, there's a lot of legalities surrounding it. And the laws to title are very different in each state. So right now I'm not expanding my title arm. A lot of the big businesses are choosing to expand title and we might find a strategic way to do it. And if we do, it will open up opportunities for partnerships. Um, but we haven't gone down that road right now. Our primary focus is mortgage and insurance. Those are the biggest um, profit centers I think in the real estate industry. I don't think I know. Um, so that's where our, our primary focus is. So we will partner on insurance Um, nationally. We'll do strategic partnerships with mortgage nationally. You don't have ownership of mortgage entity, but we generate leads and partners with you on the referral fees. And we'll do um, inside of Keller Williams, we'll do partnerships on real estate teams and investing will actually only be an opportunity for the companies that have our real estate teams, because we're going to teach agents inside of our teams nationally, how to invest, how to do luxury, how to do all the different things that we're figuring yeah. out how to do in Omaha. I guess more so
2: I was referring to how do I approach local title companies here?
1: Yeah, same conversation, same role play that I had with Jared on the insurance. Same exact thing. So is it a second, it's not really a second book of business
2: for them? Or so is you,
1: that- depending on how big they are, you could go in and say you wanted ownership of their already existing entity. They're all very prideful and very old fashioned. So you're going to have a hard time getting anything that they already own. Title stuff. So you're going to have to pull somebody away from an already existing title business that has all their licenses and insurance and know how to run, how to run title, but they're only going to do that if they see that opportunity as better and not high risk. And people that work in title are typically high SCs and don't like high risk. They like certainty. So this is a long time in the works for me to kind of figure out and navigate um, how, to, how to launch these entities and building relationships for 10 years of trust and proving on myself. So if I were you and you want to pull someone away and I don't know how many deals you do, but you need entitled, like I said earlier, you have to have 500 buy sites for it to even make sense because you got to get your CEO or whoever's running it paid at least 100,000 a year, probably a bonus instead of maybe even ownership closers and processors. You can pay 80 grand for a good closer, 60 to 40 grand for a good processor, 30 grand for a receptionist. So you're going to have a lot of built-in overhead expenses at launch. The entities aren't that hard to launch takes like three to six months, but you've got to find the person because to Shanique was point earlier, should she be the one going and digging the fence posts? Of course not. You don't want to get yourself too backed up with having to facilitate all of that. You need someone who's a go-getter. You should build bridges, but let somebody else traverse the bridge and build the business for you. Got it. Thank you. Justin, you have your comment? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's part discussion, part,
3: question but it you know it's, it's based on what I believe is is a shared vision and it has to do with uh, uh, caps and the the expansion of that program and uh, how do you foresee caps and the acclimation of that program as caps becomes geared more towards um, the popcorn and concession uh, side of things and less towards um, We're doing this to help agents uh, achieve different tiers of transactions. And, you know, as the focus turns away from real estate and more towards these ancillaries, how can uh, the CAPS program still take hold in these market centers and still be effective
1: Yeah. Uh So for those that don't know the reference of CAPS, um, that's our certified advisor program. We have certified advisor programs in all of our Keller Williams offices. And the idea is that an agent should not be able to be interdependent. So they start off dependent if they haven't done at least 36 career transactions in the Midwest, and maybe around 16 career transactions on the coast. So we've created a dependent team inside of all of our offices called a CAP team or certified advisor program team. And our idea was that that team would have its own accountability coach it'd have its own lead gen, it'd have its own training process outside of what you guys get to attend through our interdependent trainings on Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Tuesdays. And so our idea was that that cap team would serve as a Trojan horse to get into all real estate offices in the country, top two cities of every state. The interesting thing, Justin, to your question is, that cap team's profit center is primarily gonna be based on its ability to generate and convert internet leads that are funded by our mortgage arm. Well, we're charging a 50% referral fee on those. That's all based on those agents selling real estate and generating commission income. And so that's gonna probably go away in 24 to 36 months. So how CAP continues to survive and how it continues to serve as the Trojan horse is all real estate brokerages, traditional and those in the future are gonna have a, a necessity of having a training arm for all the new agents. There still will be dependent agents. And so that CAP program will be that. And so the way we see that, just so everyone knows kind of what we're thinking for from an expansion standpoint, is Andy CUNY, who's been our success manager, will be the success manager of all of the CAP success managers. So once we have 10, Andy will be the direct report for those 10. Eventually then we'll have to have more um, hierarchy of leadership to have more people reporting to somebody else. But that's kind of our idea is that each team will have an Andy and that, Andy, that person on that team will report to our Andy. And then all the leads get funded by um, the Mortgage Strategic Partnership, and then all the coaching and training is coming from ERS, but it is CAPS training for all the CAPS. And, it's, and it stays traditional in, in the ERS sense
3: of what Andy currently does exactly with, with his training. And then the idea is still to get into those market centers to per state and to branch out with the ancillaries,
1: which yeah. then in the additional yeah. revenue. And just like Jared and I talked about with the insurance conversation, when we go to Long Beach, California, as an example, and we've presented now to about 30 market centers, we're keeping it all in Keller from an accounting standpoint and accountability standpoint, everyone's using the same stuff. They're all in the same sandbox, but we're open to the traversing the brokerage brand because I'm agnostic. I don't care if it's Keller or Berkshire or whatever. What I care about is I want 190,000 years versus 80,000 years. And so in Keller Williams land, what I what we believe in from an entrepreneurial standpoint is directly aligned with Gary Keller and everything Keller Williams believes. That's why we chose to be inside of Gary, of Gary Keller's world. However... Um, If we aren't acquired by Keller and or we're not seeing the profit centers we need in Keller, we then will open up outside of and ERS clients will be our first people we tap. So if you're not at Keller, and you know, if we're planning on going to Keller and you're thinking, man, I want to be a cap team. The challenge, though, is we found better for us to partner with a brokerage with 300 agents than a team with 20 agents because our win isn't selling real estate. Our win is bringing the concession stands. And so that's why when we meet with market center owners and or if we met with any of the brokers that own the companies that a handful of you align with, if we shared with them that by partnering with us, we're going to generate leads into their office, charge a 50 percent referral fee, we're going to share. on the 50% we collect, meaning they get 25, we'll get 25, but we run it all. We give them a cap program. We give them ERS. We give them a boomtown platform. We partner in insurance, and we give them the ability to do investing the same way we do investing in Omaha, which we've acquired hundreds of doors following our strategies. I don't see a broker in America that can say no to that if they don't already have it. And most don't have it. Most brokerages are making 3 to 6% net profit in today's money. And over the next two to five years, what happens to that brokerage model if they don't have the concessions? They're going to have to charge more fees. So you're going to see everyone, it's going to be a crazy flip-flop. They're going to go from trying to be 100% model, but that won't be survivable. They're going to have to charge 50%, 40%. They're going to start charging more. And the agents are going to go to the place they don't have to pay anything to my office where there's no fees. And how are we surviving? Oh, the ancillary businesses. And so all the other brokers are going to scramble to, to get those. And I think they're going to have lost a majority of their agents before they get there. Now, on those interdependent teams, are are they using Boomtown,
3: CSU, all of the same, basically ERS, CRNs,
1: and, and- we, yeah, they're they're all encouraged to. There's no rules, so um, it was interesting when Gary recruited me, Gary Keller. He he said the one sentence I always need to hear, and that's that there's no rules. Sky's the limit. Do whatever you want, obviously within reason and ethically. But we wanted to feel the same, so when we go somewhere, if it doesn't make sense to use ERS, which of course that wouldn't happen, but let's say Boomtown or uh, Google Ads to generate leads, and now we need to go check out Zillow, and we're gonna do whatever's gonna work best in each location. Cool. All right, who was next? Maybe we didn't have a next. We have four minutes. You guys wanna do one more question? Any follow-ups, anything we've already said? Who liked, who liked this Q&A session? It's good stuff. Who has heard anyone talk about this? Who else is talking about this? You guys have brokers teaching you this stuff? Sam, you have a broker teaching you this stuff? Yeah, not to the level that you're doing it right now, but she she's working towards that. And she is offering ownership within the brokerage. What city? Oh, you're Alpern? Rhode Island. How many, deal, how many deals do you need to be doing to have ownership? Um, Of the brokerage or the ancillaries? Um, She's offering ownership of the brokerage and the ancillaries? No, she's offering ownership of the ancillaries. Okay. Is there a minimum? No. uh, It's basically you have to be able to offer a certain type of value that she would need as she's opening those. So her and I are opening up an ISA company right now. All right. Um, I love it, dude. That's awesome. Um, I will warn everyone, be very careful in when you structure these deals, you need to have legal strong legal behind you in each state. Um, You cannot say, hey, because like Sam couldn't approach his broker and say, since 10% of the deals out of this title company are from me, you have to sell me 10% of the title company. Or once you have created a partnership in insurance and you're doing 50% of the business, but you only own 10%, you can't legally say, hey, I'm doing half the business. I want half the ownership. That's all against CFPB guidelines. So we've spent hundreds of thousands in R&D and uh, attorney fees to make sure. I have a huge target on my back because I talk about this stuff completely open on the podcast, on stages with our coaching clients. And so we've made sure everything I'm saying we're doing, we have gotten the stamp of approval from an attorney we've hired who actually worked with Respa for 12 years and has set up a lot of these different entities. So just be sure in each of your own Uh, respective states when you structure these deals. Don't just trust Jared, your insurance agent that you reach out to. He says, oh, I know how to do this. I'm gonna do it. Do not do that. Make sure there's an attorney involved that blesses it so that when somebody comes after you, not if, everyone in your world will be jealous of you because they haven't already done it. And so when they're jealous of you, they're gonna file complaints in your city. And when those complaints get filed, somebody's gonna come and knock in, and they're gonna wanna see how you structured your operating agreement. They're gonna wanna look at your books. Bad things can happen if you cheat the system pertaining to this. People go to jail all the time um, for not having these structured the right way. And they just, they say negligence. Oh, I didn't know. Well, shame on you. You need to know this is a big deal. So uh, make sure you hire really good legal counsel if you do choose to go into some of these strategic partnerships. Well, we can't leave, leave on that note. That's kind of a depressing note. Any, any final questions or comments? I have one question. You Last talked
3: question. About a- 500 deal minimum, but you said you're doing an alignment with Hector at 100 deals. How, how did that work?
1: Yep. So Hector can't have, that's a great question. Um, Hector will not have an opportunity for ownership until he can bring together a group of people. And it could just be agents in his brokerage that are doing 500 deals. So this is a really great strategy suggestion that Hector gets to listen to. And we're doing it with him now. And that's date before you get married. So the best thing to do, I can't believe how many people I've approached and I've said, hey, if you do 500 deals, then we're open to partnering. And they'll say, okay, when we get to 500 deals, we'll start sending you deals. And we say, well, you need to make sure that you like us now. Just start sending us all of your title and mortgage and insurance deals now. And once you hit 500, then there'll be opportunities for ownership. And they say, well, we're really happy with the people that we're with now. And I'm like, okay, so you want me to build an opportunity for you once you hit the 500, but you're not going to date me prior to that? I have no interest in doing business with someone like that. So Hector's gonna partner with our brokerage, and this wouldn't be a requirement, obviously outside of Nebraska, but in Nebraska, he'll partner with the brokerage. And then once his organization is doing 500 or he chooses to create strategic partners, which he has the right to do that. And it can be with a competing brokerage. It can be with a builder. It can be with a developer. It doesn't have to be all inside the brokerage. He just needs 500 buy sides. Then we will create a new entity. It'll have an LLC, an EIN number. It'll do its own tax returns. Um, and then all of those insurance deals will go into that entity. All the title deals will go into that entity. And then all of that flows up to our umbrella. And what we offer is 50% ownership in insurance and 50% ownership in title. So when you guys start thinking about the deals you wanna structure, if you can bring 500 deals, we believe based on the numbers we've ran, that's worth 50% ownership in both insurance and title at 500 deals. The problem is most people can't get to that. So if you yourselves aren't there, which most of you aren't and didn't raise your hand, it's okay. Just go find five other agents. You, most of you are at hundred deals a year. Go find four other agents that are hundred deals and say, hey, I think we should approach so-and-so or you guys can approach so-and-so first and say, if I can put a group together of 500 deals, would you be open to this idea? We would keep 50%, you guys would keep 50%. And if you're the one putting the deal together, just like a syndication, maybe you keep 25% and you bring in five other people at 5% each. And you just say, "Hey, I'm putting the deal together. And maybe you're the one that pays the money because usually you have to have an established base value of like a thousand a share. So you can say to the other 5%, hey, I'm going to pay the 50,000 to get us our 50%, but I'm going to bring you each in at 5%. And the best part is you can choose, they can choose everything. Like someone will say, oh, I love my closer or I love my insurance agent, or I love the processor. Awesome. Let's take them away from the companies that they're at. Every time someone uses that as a limiting belief, I say, great, we'll, we'll, we'll hire every closer you love. We'll hire every processor you love. We'll we can do it all we'll take them and we'll offer them more money and better opportunities and we've been able to do this for years we have probably 20 people now that in my title organization and insurance who've left other entities because of better opportunities inside of our world sam if we were
3: to get to the point that we have 500 buy sides and we have that 50 50 partnership for Exarbans 50 percent, is
1: that basically running the company and and we are more passive investors? You do nothing to run the company. You're passive. You're our marketing arm. um, And we will require you help us hire boots on the ground. So once Hector hits his 500, we want to put a mortgage lender in Hector's office. We want to put an insurance agent in Hector's office. And we want to put a title person in Hector's office. Up until that point, he's going to use uh, Columbus, Nebraska, Renee Mueller's office, will be where all of those people work and they'll come to his office maybe once a week, but they're not gonna be dedicated. So once the team has earned the right to have the ancillaries live inside of their office, that'll be when they hit that 500 mark. And like I said earlier, I'm open um, for you guys to partner with us in property and casualty. Um, We're not expanding title, but we would partner in PNC if you can put a group together that does over 500 deals, um, a year. And it'll be just based on the last 12 months. So if you have 500 buy sides, we can partner in any state. And I'll make that offer right now. I know we would do that under Exarbon Insurance. And then whoever puts that group together can choose how you want to split up the ownership positions. And you can be, um, I think we're offering you to do it, do it under any name you want powered by exarban Insurance. Because of course, Exarbon is Nebraska backwards, but in your states, no one's going to know that and say, what's Exarbon? It's a weird word. Did we have fun today? Would you guys like doing Q&A more often? I mean, we always end with 30 minutes, but I've never felt like we've been able to get this deep. You guys like this? Okay. I don't know how often, do you guys know how often uh, there's five Thursdays in a month? Does that happen very often? Who's the calendar expert? (laughs) Siri. All right. Well, we'll find out. We'll find some other times to be able to do this. I love it. This is my favorite way to spend my time. Um, you guys are doing awesome. Thank you for all your support. If you're not, uh, if you haven't gone out yet to give us a review on our podcast, we're still looking to hit a thousand reviews. Would love for you guys to give a shout out to ERS as well. Um, Bill, you had mentioned coming out in September. You guys, I'd love to see all of you. See, being in person, you feel my energy now. Just wait till we're together. You're going to get all of me and more. Uh, we stay up all night with you guys having fun. We go out. It's not a sellout event. Nikki's smiling. Uh-oh. It's not a sellout event. We're like, you see the presenter for an hour and then they're, they ghost. Like, we're with you to the end. And I'll be up first. I'll go to bed last. Uh, we can do workouts at my house if you're into like CrossFit and want to do group sessions there. And we can have a really good time. So I'd love for all of you to come out in September if you can make it. If you can't, with the virtual event is awesome. I think it's like 50 bucks or something for you guys um, and totally worth it. So that's next week. If you want to check that out.
3: There's five this year.
1: There's four the next three years. Oh, interesting. So five months this year with five Thursdays and then the next four years. The or next three you know, years, there's, there's four. Months. Okay. So let's just do that. I'll promise you guys that every month that there's five Thursdays, I'll do a QA and a just like this one. This was really fun. Appreciate you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep watching the Thursday high levels. Get your agents on the Monday, Wednesdays. Um, if you're wanting to invest, get on the Tuesdays. Um, I'll give you a quick teaser and I love watching people start to fall off because this is going to be really exciting. Our goal next year is to bring you high level ancillary coaching so that your mortgage partner, title partner, and insurance partner can jump on once a month and have a mortgage expert, title expert, and insurance expert mastermind with them about how to build and scale your ancillary. Elite Real Estate Systems, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Have a great weekend. It's good to see you all. (laughs)
2: Whoa! Whoa! Whoa!